grid. A digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michael Miller, and I am not here alone tonight. With me tonight is Paul Morley. Paul, welcome back. Hey, th- hey, thanks. It is very good to have you here, particularly to keep me company when the world is rapidly becoming a more and more terrifying place. At least that is what we would like you to believe, so that you continue to tune in and listen, so you can get your weekly dose of fear and panic. <laughs> We've been contemplating making it the fear and panic show. This has come up before. Oh, we have. We Every once in a while, we have segments, however, to highlight the positive sides of technology, the uplifting yeah, sides. Yeah, when? Well, we have in the past. Name once. Well, uh, it's happened, and it's not happening tonight, granted, mm. but I just felt compelled to, to no, mention. it is not. That it could. And, Paul, what is swatting? I, you know, swatting, I guess, is a way that um, people can remotely... Um, send messages to emergency services. So far, it sounds very legitimate and useful. Yes, posing to be um, uh, somebody having a terrible experience at a a location, uh, and yet that's being done from another location. In other words, it's a hoax, and it's done in a way that when uh, 911 traces the call, it goes to the source um, the alleged source of the call and sends a SWAT team in or or whatever's you know uh, appropriate at that time. Let's give a little background here. There was a gentleman named Brian Krebs who has been a well-known and very highly respected security researcher, for, uh, independent freelance security researcher for some time. And he's been behind a, a number of efforts that have resulted in taking down some really egregious crime networks in terms mm-hmm. of cybersecurity. He was responsible for taking down a syndicate known as the Russian Business Network and, the, and a California hosting service mm-hmm. that was responsible for 30% of the world's spam. There are people out there, in other words, known as white hat hackers. And while he is perhaps not a hacker, he is very well educated, he knows what he's talking about, and he's a very good researcher, bottom yeah. line, an investigative journalist, if you will. And his subject is finding out which companies are responsible for the spam in our inboxes? Which companies are responsible for the viruses and trojans that infect our computers and our clients' computers? And then how do they make money on that? There are companies out there that literally make millions and billions of dollars. And he is the one who is determined to find out how this is happening and bring them to light. And he's been successful. And doesn't he use some of the the tools of the trade, so to speak, to kind of meet some of these people on their own terms? Well, you know, I can't, I really don't know and I can't speak to that. I can say that anyone who does work of that kind and anyone who does research Mm -hmm. of that kind is very familiar with those tools. And he, in 
certainly does research that many lay people would probably consider uh, near magic. Right. He can read logs, he can investigate sources, he can trace IPs, he can do any number of things that most people would, you know, your eyes would glaze over. Right. And he understands it, and he does very good work with it, and he's very, very good at it. He's so good at it that he's he's terrified some of his subjects to the point where they've turned the tables. Well, and that's an interesting point because this is no different than being in a town where you start tracking down the local crime mob. You're yeah. probably going to get some retaliation. Yeah. And these, as it so happens, are Russian crime mobsters. Yeah. Lo and behold. <laughs> and they're in probably Russia. Probably the worst the worst kind. There's shot. a really funny on clip on the internet that says basically that Russians are the scariest white people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty funny clip. You can Google that. Pravilna? Da, pravilna. So as it stands here, he has done this research, he has made his enemies, and not surprisingly, they have made him a target. And he's received threats, death threats. His website has come under DDoS attack on more than one case. Sweet! We really need to get you a whistle. Tweet! A whistle. Tweet. A referee whistle that's real. You sound like Tweety the Bird. Okay, what? No, sir. DD, what is it? DDoS. DDoS, thank you. Distributed denial of service. Translation. Attack. Well, imagine you're a restaurant. Just pretend for a second you're in a restaurant. I'm a restaurant. I'm a physical building? Yeah, you're a physical building and a business inside that building, and it has a door. And you have, for whatever reason, made a local gang mad. And what they do is they say 10 or 15 of them come and hover outside your door. Mm. They try, or they all try to walk in at the same time. doesn't matter. Mm. The door's blocked. No one else can get shoulder in. No to shoulder to shoulder. Exactly. They're bumping into each They're other. They're not really hurting your business. They're not trashing the place. They're not doing anything to it outside of just blocking it. And blocking the people behind them that actually have a legitimate want to go in there. Exactly, a.k.a. denial of service. Mm -hmm. So distributed denial of service simply means that people use, whether it is programs, computers, bots on the Internet, actual individuals, they create multiple attempts to connect to a website. Mm -hmm. So many attempts that the server that serves the website is overwhelmed. So that's the distributed part. Exactly. exactly. And it's a very popular form of attack. It's a form of attack that is probably the most common way today for people to express their dissatisfaction. Anonymous does DDoS attacks on various services all the time. It's a way of basically you know, throwing a brick through the window and saying, we hate you. And it very rarely is effective for a permanent period of time. But it can take down a website, make it ineffective, and... You have essentially shut the people down and tarred and feathered their building, thrown eggs all over it, and they're successful. Right. So, so somebody posed one of these calls mm-hmm. to 911. So they, they attacked his website. Someone – three things happened. One, someone attacked his website. Mm-hmm. Two, via DDoS, he subscribes to a service called Prolexic. Yes, Prolexic, that specializes in defending his website against attacks like that. They do it through a number of really fascinating methods, and they're very successful at it, and probably they'd be well worth having on the show at some point. However, that company got an email purporting to be from the FBI a couple of days before saying that they were being ordered to take down, to deny him their services based on an article he had written Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks earlier. So a day after that happens, and Prolexic, not being a band of idiots, happened to figure out that letter was not right, real. Right, not real. That. So what happens 
couple of days after that, Paul. Um, <clears throat> 911 gets a call that um, a Russian thieves had broken into this home and shot his wife, and they were stealing the jewelry, etc. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, and so the SWAT team shows up, to, to, and they are swarming the place. To put this from his perspective, mm-hmm. it's an evening. He's yeah. spending a nice Oh, yeah. Evening, yeah you know? We should back up. Yeah. That's right. He, he's spending a nice evening in his home. He's getting ready for guests. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have a dinner party. Mm-hmm. So he's vacuuming the floor. He's sweeping. The phone rings. He doesn't answer the phone. Yeah, that's he, right. That's the great part. He, he doesn't answer the phone because he's, he's so busy preparing for the party. Normal evening. And as part of preparing for the party, he notices there's some trash in the yard he forgot to pick up. Or something in the yard. Yeah. He probably might, wouldn't be happy with me calling it trash. And so he's like, ah, man, I should take care of that. Trots so outside, outside, opens the door. Freeze! Hands on the ground, freeze, Guns back up, pointed at him all over the place. That's yeah. right. Major, major problem. And his quote, I love this. You've got to be kidding me, he said. <laughs> Mr. Krebs knew this was going to happen. <laughs> so much so that he had called the police. That's right. Previously. He had called the police and filed a report with them stating that he felt fairly certain someone would they try this. They were going to do this. But he was he was mystified because they didn't even seem to know what swatting was. No. Well, I mean, and, and to, from my perspective, to be fair, why would they exactly know? Right. It would be good it's to know. It's a local police force. Yeah, I would be happy if they knew. But the reality is their their to-do list is pretty darn tall. And this is, you know, I didn't know about this until recently. You didn't know it's about it. true. To, uh, no question. Recently. And he, no he question. is the guy at the top of his game. Of course he did. But very evidently, this is something that local law enforcement should be aware yeah, of. Yeah, I think more and more they will have to be. And this is probably a pretty good opportunity to take a segue and say this isn't the first time this has happened. It's mm. not like this is a brand new attack. There have been incidents prior to this where people have done the same thing. Someone called and pretended that they were a man who was on an LSD trip and had just committed a triple right, homicide right, in his right. family and called the SWAT team. There's a term for them, swatters. Yeah. And they call a SWAT team to your house. It's uh, fairly terrific. If this happens to you, don't fight back. That's my advice. Yeah. If they show up with guns. Against the SWAT team. Fight back against Even if you know called. you're right, don't fight back. And that right? was actually Mr. Krebs' You can advice. explain it later. Yes, explain it later. It's <laughs> and, in fact, they asked him, they said, are you, are you the person who filed the report a few minutes later? Right. And, and indeed. Oh, and this is really funny. They said, because... We called you before we came in, and no one answered. <laughs> His bumper sticker is now, answer a phone, save a house, or save a door, I should say, That's from right. being kicked in. It, it, that is definitely a lesson. Don't screen your calls. So and answer your phone, the stupid. The team doesn't check. <laughs> so it's, you know, another great way for people to make your life terrible. But yeah. arguably, the antidote to this is to make law enforcement aware that this happens. I'm sure. And I guess probably the other antidote. Yes, true. Also, the other antidote is don't make enemies of Russian crime mobsters if you can (laughs) help it. (laughs) I would love to talk to him and and find out what's happened since then. I mean, to some degree, if you think about it, it's somewhat terrifying that he has made a career of thumbing his nose at these people. And hopefully this is as far as it goes. Well, I hope so, too. Now, I have a question. Mm-hmm. It's talking about um, 
and uh, a website selling illicitly obtained credit cards contains illegally linking and pictures of SSNDOB mm-hmm. dot RU, which is, of course, Russia. Of course. What is SSNDOB? Yes, I, indeed. I, I have no idea. I, probably social security database, something or else or other. Okay. Uh, that that would be my guess. And these places do exist. They advertise to the black market, and they peddle information that may be out of date. Technically, you know, say dead. Uh, someone who has deceased their social security right, number right, right. or places where people have lived in the past. But you can still use that information to craft a profile or to trick a service or to do any number of things. It, all information is valuable on some level. And that is what these people peddle in. Right. Okay. So, and that was a site that he had written an article on but several days before this all went down. So, Swatters, you aren't here, Paul, but that sort of ties into the ratters I talked about last week, okay. people who spend their lives compiling a database of what people do on their computers via their webcam and microphone. So, like I said, just more reason to be you terrified. Mean in terms of people remotely activating the, the cameras? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that we in have, previous shows. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to move on to happier topics... Skype, the encrypted voice chat and chatting system at Facebook, are probably hijacked in China, <laughs> including if you live in the United States. <laughs> Great. Paul, any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is kind of interesting. I guess Skype has a branch office, so to speak, in China. <laughs> Actually, which I, is... have a, I have an interesting mm-hmm. insight on that. Okay. I did not know this. Maybe yeah. everyone except for me does. But to open a business in China, if mm-hmm. you are from a non-Chinese country, which would to be, say, if you're not in China, right. that's a great English sentence right there. If you're not in China and you want to open a company in China, you can't unless someone who is a citizen of China owns 51% of that company. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that is a requirement. So all of these major companies mm-hmm. that we know of, Microsoft, Apple, and so forth, have a subsidiary mm-hmm. in China with a subsidiary's name. And someone in China owns 51% of that company. Tom Online. Tom Online owns Skype in China. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a wireless internet company. And, and as a side note to that, a Chinese company, you have to adhere to the rules and regulations in China where they operate Uh-oh. the businesses. <laughs> Different rules, we might say. What are the rules in this case? Uh, are there? Uh, well, <laughs> are there rules? For, for who, I suppose? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It, it's true. And uh, f- there are, may not be rules for the Chinese government, as far as we know, but apparently there are rules for people who provide communication, even if, if theoretically that communication is encrypted. One of the things about Skype that perhaps many people don't know, and something that has given heartache to a number of law enforcement agencies around the world, is that its communication, its voice-to-voice and its text-to-text communication is mm-hmm. theoretically encrypted. In other words, what transpires between you and the person you're talking to can't be intercepted by a third party. Right. But now apparently it is. The Skype client in China automatically notices words that are blacklisted and sends them off to a great log in the sky. And which That's is correct. And 
keeps track of who said what and why. Say if you say Tiananmen Square, exactly. Boom, or all of Amnesty sudden, International. Yeah, well, that's of course you know everyone's afraid of them. Yeah. They are a known terrorist organization. Right. So. Everything that they say is then recorded for that conversation, apparently, uh, on servers that no one is quite sure who owns these servers. And, in fact, no one really knew that this was going on until an intrepid researcher, another security researcher, did a fair amount of, you guessed it, research. Yes. Well, speaking of research, there's a really pretty incredible dude, Jeffrey Knockle, is a... um, graduate student, University of New Mexico, Albuquerque. He doesn't speak Chinese, you know, or even really follow Chinese politics, Mm -hmm. but he's great with computers. And one of his uh, major professors kind of gave him a a project to check and see how this Chinese version of Skype was actually monitoring its users. Uh, And I love this description. This is actually a a project for him at school. Yeah, exactly. He's described as a yoga-practicing son of a retired U.S. Air Force officer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And so, yeah, there's a connection, you know, in terms of maybe not his own political ideology, but at least his heritage. Uh, who who knows? That sort of sounds to me like he's probably taken several different paths than what his parents may have taken in the past. Well, you know, sometimes your 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 upbringing, you know, kind of uh, hopelessly puts you on a path, and who knows Absolutely. how that may have taken place in his life. In this case, from this perspective, it took him on a pretty good path, evidently. Yeah, yeah. So he's quite the golden child, and. Um, he started to notice patterns. He did. The, he developed this really creative way of sending kind of um, uh, almost like uh, fishing, you know, where you send out something, and um, you, you see if and... you see if it grabs the attention. Mm-hmm. So you'd send out uh, a, a string of of words, you know, not random words, an actual message. And see if that got nabbed somehow, because he he was actually logged into the wireless network, the Chinese version of of, of Skype, Tom Skype, and so he had ways of kind of monitoring what, what was, was being him. apprehended as he was sending stuff. And that raises a good point: is that if, if you're savvy enough, if someone's so so to speak peering into your abyss, you can peer right back. Yeah. And so he was evidently clever enough and knew how to keep track of people who were grabbing his information. Yeah. So he'd send out the the string, and then um, if it was nabbed, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, he would say, okay, there's a word or a phrase in there that is grabbing attention. So he'd cut the the size of the... um, Message in half. Oh, that sounds start, familiar. Start breaking it down by halves and halves. And it was interesting when I was reading about this because it reminded me of when I was a um, an oceanography student. How we would split plankton samples. We would put them into a a little trough, which would mechanically separate the sample into perfect halves. Mm -hmm. It would take the plankton and the water and split it in half. And you just continually do that until you get it down to a size where you can actually put 
the entire sample in a Petri dish and mechanically count every organism in the Petri dish. And thereby, you can extrapolate what the proportions of the various organisms are. You know, I have a different corollary to that. Okay. And that back in the dark days of Mac OS 9, and I didn't re- realize there were dark days compared to now, but you may, rem- you may remember extensions. Yeah. And extensions caused conflicts, and conflicts had to be troubleshot, and that was, in fact, a big part of my job. And you, what you would do is exactly the same thing. You would say, all right, your computer's freezing on startup. What do I do? Let's pull out half of the extensions in your system folder mm. and see if it starts up now. Mm. Oh, it does. Interesting. Great. Okay, we're going to pull out another half and see if it starts up now or it doesn't or put a half back in. And it's interesting to note that his computer would grab a blacklist that the Chinese servers would give him of words that were, would cause him to be tracked. Mm-hmm. And he actually picked uh, the F-bomb as a, oh, yeah. as a way of yeah. saying, okay, well, everyone always blocks this. Right. And he would then check and see if when he used it, he was sent a new list. And using that, he could, uh, using the method you just described, mm-hmm. try and figure out which parts of the encryption key code related to that particular mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. which is uh, some really impressive detective work, really. I, and I, I guess I see why he is he, he got a good grade on this project. Yeah. Way too often we read about cases of hacking, and even from re- reputed, or perhaps reputed is the wrong word, even from hackers who are very well-known and who do some very high-profile things. What they do isn't so much hacking as social engineering. Mm-hmm. They trick someone into giving them some information. Yeah. Great, or access to their computer. What he's doing is some really good old-fashioned detective work. He's taking the information that he has and he's working with it to figure out a result, sort mm-hmm. of Rosetta Stone approach. Yeah, I like that reference, yeah. Yeah. Because by, by finding a certain number of words, you can start to, again, <coughs> extrapolate um, the, the larger meetings, the, the, the larger, kind of, so to speak, dictionary of, mm-hmm. of uh, flagged words and thereby start to understand uh, what's going on. What, what are they looking for? Yeah, he apparently changed, from there he changed specific letters in that word right. to see how that would get flagged. Yes, and, like and duck. Worked, yeah, <laughs> hmm. Hmm. and worked from there on out. And I, I guess it took him a week, which is a lot of work, I suppose, but is pretty fast yes. if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So he got an A+, and now we know which words are no longer kosher, so to speak, in China, if you're talking about Skype. <laughs> kosher in China, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the other interesting thing he discovered is that if you are using a regular client of Skype here in the United mm-hmm. States and talk to someone in China, oh, yeah. your words are still it flagged. boots over. Uh-huh, and your conversation is still recorded. Yes. So you are not safe just because you don't use the quote-unquote Tom online version. That's it also matters right. who you talk to. And this sort of brings to mind back in the day, you know, Microsoft, they reached out to Microsoft for comment that owns Skype. And they said, well, we have to comply with local laws. And you might remember a few years ago, it was a big deal when Google went to China and mm-hmm. opened a service in China. Mm-hmm. And they, to do that, they had to agree to blocking certain search terms or certain, yes. certain search terms of certain sites. That was very controversial. It was, because in some ways it was against, perhaps, from some people's perspective, against their credo of do no evil, yeah. which is, you know, in their corporate bylines. And right. here they are, they're blocking information. Even for, before harm has been done, right. Exactly. And Google at the time made the argument that, well, 
what we're doing is prob- probably more good for more people than it is causing harm. Mm-hmm. So it might do more evil to not put our service there, which, you know, there's a conversation to be had there for sure. Mm-hmm. After a while, they pulled out and they came back in. They've had this on-again, off-again relationship with China because of that reason. If you are going to have your services there, you have to be prepared and okay with, as an organization, as a company, with a really high level of censorship. And not just censorship, but surveillance. Surveillance. It It has to be plastic. It has to be changing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the the words and usage, the words and relevance uh, are going to change daily. So let's hope that doesn't go on here. Apparently, the um, in, since ni- uh, April of 2011, more than 2,000 terms have come and gone from these uh, flagged lists. Dang. I mean, think about how much time goes into. Okay, not this word isn't so relevant anymore. We need to use this word. Keep keep tracking what they're doing. All right, we are nearing the top of the hour. And what I want to uh, also note to people is that uh, bottom of the hour, Mike, thank you. I don't even know which is top and which is bottom. It doesn't necessarily make sense. <laughs> the bottom make, of the clock face. Well, th- oh, really? Is that yes. it? Oh. I don't use I use a digital I use a digital signal for I that. I know. This is this is the, the, the time warp now. Man, I'm I'm the wrong generation. Top and bottom doesn't mean anything on a digital face. I'm not actually the wrong generation. I was just always too dumb to understand the clock face, period. And as a child I basically did not understand time until digital time faces became the norm. And Are you nothing. saying you do understand time? I am always late. What does what does that mean? I know. That being said, if you have a question, and we have some more news, some more excellent tips, as you may or may not know, Google has been on a murdering spree of their some of their most beloved services, <laughs> or at least semi-beloved, depending on who you talk to, services. And what can you do to defend yourself against that spree? Who knows? We do, as yes. it turns out. And you can tune in. What's you more, need us. You do. Thank you, Paul. That's what I've been trying to get ahead across for a while. Like a like a. Terrible headache. (laughs) No, no, okay. We're going to bleep that part out. You can call. If you text us first, 8417368, you can give us your number and your name so we can put your list in our surveillance list, as it That's were. That's right. Just in case you know you do something terrible on the air. And, and then we'll give you a number Tom to call. Not Tom Skype. That's exactly right. We will give you a number to call. You can call into the radio show. Again, 8417368 or UG1RENT, which makes sense to some people. Not UG, so much to the number one. Indeed. Rent. Indeed. Or facebook.com slash out of a jam. You can leave a comment there as well. You get in touch with us. We'll get in touch with you. You can call in. You can win prizes. You can be, become famous. You'll just be the next Justin Bieber. It'll be great. Would that be great? Well, we'll talk about that after the break. Okay. We'll be right back. See ya. Well, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know that I just want to look some more. And I won't be satisfied till there's nothing left that I haven't tried. For some people, it's an easy choice, but for me, there's a devil and an angel's voice. Well, I don't know what I am looking for, but I know that I just want to look some more. 
KPRF Sutton, Radio Free Palmer, 89.5 on your FM dial, Big Cabbage Radio. And we are back. It is very good to be back. You may or may not know this, but Apple has an app store. It's kind of popular. (laughs) Google has a Play Store because it's playful and fun and awesome, and you can get apps there too. Except, as it turns out, if you want to get an app that blocks ads... A.K.A. Google's source of revenue. Uh-oh. That may not be quite as okay. Or kosher, to use a term we used Again. earlier this night, indeed. Paul, why is that not okay? Because in some cases it might be a violation of play. I love this. The 4.4 section of the Play Store Developer Distribution Agreement. I feel this is 1984 for developers. Tell me about it, man. Welcome to the fun house. These Whoa. are the rules for your serious fun times. So we, we have, um, thankfully, we didn't know where to go to get a, an explanation on this, but we found a source. We did a very human, understandable source that puts the Play Store's terms of service into a clear context. So I'm going to ask the machine, because you could only get an answer like this from a machine, what are the prohibited actions of the Section 4.4 of the Play Store Developer Div- Distribution Agreement? You agree that you will not engage in any activity with the market, including the development or distribution of products that interferes with, disrupts, damages, or accesses in any unauthorized manner the devices, servers, networks, or other properties or services of any third party, including but not limited to Android users, Google, or any mobile network operator. You may not use customer information obtained from the market to sell or distribute products outside of the market. Wow. Okay. Doesn't that that just leave you with a sense of what? Dread? <laughs> I think it'll be back. <laughs> they're, they're coming for us. This is, this is the reality if you're a developer for either Apple or Google today, which it's, it's a warm and fuzzy front for those of us who download the apps galore. But there's some pretty hardcore police on the back end. <laughs> Apparently. Are ready to terminate you should you, you know, violate the Play Store's play rules. I love that name, Play Store. Okay. I mean, what kind of play are they talking about? <laughs> the profit I really play. want to know. The ad play. Role playing? Not, not, not the ad blocking play. Play-doh? <laughs> It it makes sense if you think about it. Google's only source, I was going to say primary, their only source of revenue for the most part. Okay, I guess that makes it primary, not only. I'm sorry. But their primary source of revenue is ads. And by primary, let's say 99.99% of their revenue is ads, 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 ads on their mobile market, on their website, and almost entirely from their website. And they've been really been struggling with translating mobile ads into a source of revenue, as has Facebook, as has have any other number of companies except for Apple. They make money on you shelling out for an iPhone 6.5 every four months, which has worked really well for them. Google needs ads. So apps on the Play Store, they don't find so playful if they Mm -hmm. block ads. Well, you know, we see lots of, you know, um, advertisement-financed websites, and there's often a little button you can click, skip ad. Mm -hmm. I wonder how, how does that compare? 
Well, that's a great question. I mean, that's the equivalent of, to some degree, of the services let you pay extra to skip your ads, right? There, there's an incentive there. For those, com- for those companies that let you skip an ad, it's generally for ads that are gigantic and fill the whole page. Uh-huh. In other words, they're saying, this is annoying, but hey, you can skip it, so don't be so annoyed you start hating us. And if you're an easily impressionable sheep, go ahead and maybe click on the ad instead. Mm. And it's really amazing how many of us go ahead and click on the ad instead. Or I've also seen a strategy where it comes up, the ad starts playing, and there's a little countdown for when three, you can skip it. two, one, and then you can skip it. Well, that's the YouTube and, approach. And if they, yes, that's exactly right. Yep. And if they can grab you within those first four seconds or whatever that period is, maybe they'll get you to watch the ad. And They're, I've actually seen ads. And it's usually humor-based that grabs me. Oh yeah, they, figure. they get me all the time. I have you no know? problem with and that. I like watching. I those. have to say, I, I again heard a point from a, a pretty great internet critic. Who, is that a term? That's not really a real term. That's like saying I read an article where a computer specialist talked about technology. There's no such thing as a computer specialist. But a, a fellow who... Or a con- computer specialist He was a marketing talks. specialist. There we go. Imagine he was a marketing talking. Sp- yeah. <laughs> he was a talking specialist. No, Kind of like that voice specialist. we heard not recently. Uh, <laughs> or recently. Yes, our, our, our yes. Terminator voice. He was a marketing spe- specialist, and he was very savvy with... New marketing tools, using the internet, using computers, using social media. And his point was, I thought, pretty good, is that advertising isn't bad. Targeted advertising isn't necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. It's annoying advertising that's bad. Mm. If it's really good advertising, Mm -hmm. then it's actually great because it's stuff you're interested in. People will want to watch it. Yeah, you want to watch it. And I think that's true. I mean, really... Things that are really interesting, I do want to watch. I click on the YouTube link, and I do watch it. Why do many people watch the Super Bowl? Uh, the ads, For the advertisements. Of course, now I just look them up on YouTube after yes, the fact. Yes, you can. But What's that going to do to their price, I wonder? I, they say they've actually hmm. – there are studies that have shown that the ads that leak before the Super Bowl mm-hmm. get X number of thousand more views – than the ads that show only during the mm. Super Bowl and after. So you mm. get more ad impressions if you show it before and during and after the Super Bowl. Mm. I guess when you put it like that, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Than the ads that only show at the Super Bowl and after. So it does. Mm. it's good for them. Which sort of ties into another theory that I have is the more available you make something, the more popular it becomes. Mm-hmm. Trying to mm-hmm. limit access to something to create demand is, is rarely a really great idea. Mm-hmm. At any rate, to get back to what we're talking about, Google Play, the, the, Google is desperately trying to turn advertising into revenue. And actually, YouTube is a good example of that because they still, they're not really making money on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that has been one of the ways they've tried to introduce ads. But any number of sites don't really have a way to monetize their success. G- YouTube is one of them. Uh, Google Android, their entire operating system is another one. You know, they give the operating system away for free. So how do they make ads? So they have, Google has the Play Store. They get a cut of the profits just like Apple does from its App Store. But there are ads associated with your phone, with the experience, and with apps from Google Play. And anything that tries to block those ads is not allowed. Like AdBlock Plus or any of the other uh, applications that are actually made ad-free, Android, all of those uh, kinds of things are either gone or are being prohibited, being exactly. blocked. Exactly, yes. That, that's exactly right. And... It's also worth noting that part of the advantage 
to Android over the App Store, in theory. Uh, the App Store doesn't have much in the way of ads or the, the iPhone in general, but the uh, advantage that Google does have is you don't have to use the Play Store to get apps on your Android and nor do you have to necessarily crack your Android phone to do it. You can just go to a different source for your apps, which you can't do if you have an Apple iPhone. Now, there, there's a variety of upsides and downsides to that, but the upside in this case is definitely you can go th to a different source and you can go ahead and say, hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and download this ad-blocking app, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, and away we go. It's often more technically challenging, which is part of the problem, but... At least the option is there. For open source? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On your Android phone. So Google right. Play isn't your only option that you have. It may be the only easy option that you have, but it's certainly not the only one. I think they've, they've got, to, got to reconsider, repackage, uh, remarket their, their title, though. The Google Play team. I mean, really. They're very playful. Google Play team. They're playful when they send you a cease and desist and, and then a lawsuit. The Google Play team says things like, all violations are tracked. <laughs> Serious or repeated violations of any nature will result in the termination of your developer account and investigation and possible termination of related Google accounts, etc., etc., etc. The Google Play team? <laughs> we're Seriously? All warm and fuzzy, Paul, up until we're not. And they are no different. And I suppose this just serves as a reminder that these really awesome, warm and fuzzy and cool companies that provide us with all these really cool, free or not so free gadgets uh, cease being warm or fuzzy or cool <laughs> when you start threatening their bottom line. <laughs> and it's no longer the Google Play Store, it's the Google Knee Breaking Store. <laughs> So to speak. Vihaves of exactly. getting the information. Speaking of vihaves, Google has also gone, as I mentioned earlier, on a murderous rampage. <laughs> and <laughs> some of the casualties of that are Snapseed. The second spring cleaning, they call it. Yeah, I like how they call it a spring cleaning. <laughs> Let's make all the children cry because all the stuff they love is going away. Spring cleaning, everybody. <laughs> Snapseed. Let's start with that because that's not a Not Snapseed. <laughs> Sna oh, snap. <laughs> they only got that last September. I know. And, and for those of you who don't know, Snapseed has almost been featured on the show as a recommended app. Yeah. As being a really we excellent. We did like app of the week. Oh, then. we did? Oh, oops. Okay. Well, I think. Your app of the week has well, been we've, we've, redacted. we've talked about it. it it's been we've redacted. It is no longer app of the week. No, it's no longer it app of the week. It, no. You can get it, I'm sure. If we said that, it never happened. Right. It, we erased it from history. Oh, wait a minute. I just said it, though. Uh, Never mind. If You can still get it on the App Store for the iPhone. You can get it on the Google Play Store for your Android phone. But you can't get it for the PC, those nasty desktop machines, or the Mac OS, those also nasty desktop machines that Google so hates. And they've been axed completely. So the very popular image editing and manipulating application is gone. Along with that is gone Google Reader. And I have to admit that Google Reader was never on my radar all that much. And, mm. Paul, are you familiar with Google Reader? You know, Reader? I never used it, no. Are you familiar with RSS feeds? No. Okay. RSS feeds are a way of transmitting bits of information, updates from a website. So okay. let's say, just as an example, we take Radio Free Palmer. 
the awesome RadioFreePalmer.org, the amazing community radio station that you want to be in tune with all the time, whose podcast you cannot wait to download, whose app you cannot wait to download. And as part of that, you really want to check out what's going on with them. You want to get the news. But you don't want to, have to type in RadioFreePalmer.org every morning and every night, right? Mm-hmm. So instead, when you visit their site, there's a little RSS link. You click on that. And if you have an application or a service like, say, Google Reader, Mm -hmm. you then get a feed from the website that every time someone on the website updates something, your service or app brings up a new line, much like, say, an email. Facebook. Yeah, or Facebook. That's a great example. Or uh, an an email or just another line in your service, whatever it is, that say, hey, here's the article title. Here's a bit of the article. You can either click through to read the whole thing. You can forward it to someone else. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's a very popular way of aggregating news. And Google Reader took that a step further. Not only could you define multiple sites that would then get listed mm. as a as your favorite list of new sites, mm-hmm. of informational sites, whatever it is, it would also suggest sites, mm. much like Google News does. And so you could aggregate, oh, you're, you're interested in this, so maybe oh. you're interested in this as well. Okay. So it's it an aggregation so of like news. like Pandora does yeah, for music. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Pandora for news. Yeah. So Google Reader was really, really popular. At least, or Amazon for that matter. You yeah. liked this, you yeah. might like this. Uh, Amazon's actually creepily good at that. Yeah. I sometimes think they have psychics. That's on right. Their end. Wait, how so, did you know I wanted that? <laughs> I did, but that's I didn't want anyone else. to I didn't know, know I that, that I wanted that. <laughs> I do. but now I do. So Google Reader is dead. It's gone the way of the dodo. And <laughs> although a lot of people, as it turns out, who are very no, they unhappy. just let it die. They didn't beat this one to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They did. Well, they didn't even let it die. They they just that's true. Over they just over the past feeding year, it. That's true. Over the past <laughs> year, that's very sad, Paul. That's really depressing. Over the past year, it's had some severe problems that they didn't even bother fixing, and it's had disruptions of service, and it has dwindled considerably. And now Google says, "Well, no oh, one's just really using it anymore." Measure up, so we might as well put it down. Right. So they killed it. Yes. And as it turns out. People are really unhappy. Apparently, more people used it than perhaps Google had in, implicated mm. in their PR statement. Implied, I'm sorry. Had implied in their PR statement. And here we are today with uh, rage across the Internet. And I didn't really care because I don't you really use Google Reader. But I've had at least three people today talk to me about how sad they are that Google Reader has left. Them. Is it one of those situations where you don't realize how much... You liked something until it's gone? No, I think it's one of those situations where I lived in an egocentric bubble and assumed if I didn't care about it, nobody else did. And maybe I just represent Google Google well, executives everywhere. That's certainly painfully honest. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> Good on you there, I don't buddy. Think, I, don't, I think the people who use Google Reader really, really loved it a lot. And in this case, it's been killed. And I have to tell you, the reason I think it was killed is Facebook. Hmm. And indirectly so, perhaps, but you may or may not be familiar with the fact that Google Plus is Google's desperate, and desperate may be an unkind word, but Google's concerted attempt to counter the popularity of Facebook. Mm -hmm. Because if you're into selling ads, Facebook is a pretty great venue for it. Google's into selling ads. They need something Facebook-like so that billions of people rely on them. But if it's about news, how does Facebook become a competitor? Well, so they want people to use Google Plus for their news. Mm. They want people to use Google Plus, and this is my assumption, and I've dug up 
information from folks who have also dug up information, and, and essentially Google executives who have left Google have said exactly that. Google Reader barely ever, in fact, saw the light of day. A lot of executives mm. at Google didn't view it too favorably. Mm. And as soon as Google Plus came online, Google Reader's days it's were like, numbered. There's only enough food for three of us in this <laughs> lifeboat. Exactly. And you're going overboard! Yes, that is the lifeboat of Google has lost Reader, <laughs> and we will all pause for a moment. A moment of silence there okay that was good that, that, that was, was good. enough that was enough silence. all is not lost as it stands though there are excellent alternatives google reader is free and that was really cool and uh there are of course any number of reasons that you might want wish you could still use it such as the fact that it tied into your google account mm-hmm. you know google's put a lot of effort of creating this ecosystem where you log in with your google account and boom, you have email, you have a calendar, you have a news reader, you have a news site, you have a weather site. You just get all these mm-hmm. services. All you need is your Google account. Heavens shine light down That's upon right. you. Manna falls. I'm in the universe sing. of Google. Right. And so Thank goodness. some of us, though, don't want to go so far into the universe that we are part of Google+. And we wish we could still use our Google account to just access our news. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. However, the alternative services out there very kindly, very thoughtfully, let you do that. And you can sign in with your Google account, and still they will import your Google Reader settings and so forth, Mm. and away you go. Mm. So we're going to talk about a couple of those excellent alternatives here. And the the question really is whether or not you use a PC or a Mac or, you know, none of those. That's an option today. If you're using a Mac, one uh, really excellent alternative that I'm a big fan of is Vienna. And actually, this is PC or Mac. And it's free. That's Mm. one of the reasons I'm a fan. And it gives you an interface that we're all familiar with. And it gives you a sidebar on the left with all your places that give you news, a spot on the right where you can view details on that site. And then you can actually view the article when you click on it. Then Mm. there, you don't have to click through to the site to see what's going on. You can share from there. It's an open source project. It's constantly being updated. So hmm. that's pretty, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's not too large. It works pretty well. You know, of course, part of the problem often with open source. Hey, we have a phone call. We've we got a caller. Bring it in. Bring Is it, it in. About bring Vienna? it online. Okay. And you are on the air, sir. Hi, uh, this is Doug, longtime listener. Hey, Doug. Doug, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are, how are you, Michael and Paul? We're really great. good. It's great to hear from our only fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you really, you really left your, your only fan hanging today. I notified you before the show that I had a comment. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't believe our only fan is chastising us on the air. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about this after the show. Mm, okay. All right. I <laughs> <Yes>. apologize. <laughs> but, I, right. I apologize. I'm sorry. You're right. We should have given you an opening much sooner. But we got all carried away in our own voices. Well, sure. And well, in, in particular, my comment has to do with the introduction to the show. Ooh. And okay. that that opening. The music. That, the, yeah, there's a little music with that deep voice. Tron. That's me. That's actually me. You just, you just can't tell. It was a really on day for it's me. It's Jeff Bridges. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's unique. It's fun. And then it ends in a preposition. And I, I believe it goes, it ends with something like, and then one day I got in. That's exactly how it ends. Yes, it's the and best that's, one. That's, 
That is terrible. <laughs> Why, Doug? Why is it so terrible? Well, you may recall... Why is it so terrible to end um, with a preposition? It is a preposition, and it's just, it's it's bad form to end a sentence in a preposition. But why? And, well... It's, <laughs> oh, Paul, you're a mean person. It's one, it's one of those, like, unwritten grammar rules. I and, know, unwritten, and, and because no one dared put it in writing, because mm, well, then they would be liable. Well, in this situation, it's not clear. It's not clear what he got into. And it was for a long time. I many many shows. I sat there scratching my head. I'm going. He got in. What did, what did he get in? What? And and so there needs to be some kind of noun. There needs to be something that follows it up that that describes where where Electro Man ended up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be fair, though. To be fair, here is the argument that I would field. Uh, one, the point that you make is true, that in technical terms, the sentence is an incomplete sentence and doesn't really give us a picture of what he's saying or why we would care where he's getting into. However, what if the point of that sentence is to make you ask those questions? He's breaking the rules in order for you or the perhaps unspoken rule of saying a sentence that makes sense so that you then say, well, wait, what am I getting into? Where am I getting there? How am I getting there? What, what's happening? That, that is the point. But that's not that good of a sentence. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he could. He needs. He needs to amp up the language. But we can't. Stronger, we can't. Stronger look. nouns and verbs, and then and then I can buy that argument. Okay. But it's uh, it's pretty pretty weak language. But the to, sentence does not exist in isolation. It it has a context, and the it, preceding sentences give you some reference for what he's got into. So there's, a, there's, an, there's an implied in. I got in to, you know. Yes. Yeah, and it needs work. Okay, well, Doug, thank you for correcting <laughs> Jeff Bridges' grammar. I will just have you know that you are correcting the dude and That's also true. Uh, the law enforcement officer from True Grit. So that is going to be your cross to bear. Um, we, we, we will take your courage into account. All right. Thanks. And I, and I, for one, are, are really hoping that nothing terrible happens. I hope so, too. No SWAT teams will visit his house. No, really hoping. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. All right. Good night. Thanks. Excellent. See, that's the kind of conversation that I feel technology should engender, is that we, it covers any number of topics. It's not just... Even English, by yes, golly. It, it does, it, you know, it's not we just like all that. about your computer getting water spilled on it or hard drives not working or I can't save my document. It covers all of We life. are dealing with language. We are, which, by the way... And not just computer language. Have you ever actually used a grammar tool on a computer? I don't particularly care for them. I, I, they occasionally I, catch something that I might have missed, but it's frequently incorrect. We seem to have another phone call. So okay, I'll pick that up in we'll a second. have to take it. And hello, you are on the air, good sir, or ma'am. Hello. Oh, oh, wow. the radio. Yep, turn off streaming, the, streaming turn has off a delay. the radio. <laughs> hello. Hello. Yes. Greetings. Who is this? Greetings. Um, well, apparently 
of the streaming online is uh, very delayed. I didn't know I was on the air. Yeah, it's it, it, there is, it's true. There is a delay. And in fact, I'm really excited that I got to use the phrase, turn off your radio. Because back in the day, Art Bell, the king of talk radio, would have to say that all the time. Because he didn't have anyone who'd screen his show. So people would just answer on the radio. And they'd be really confused because there's a delay. And so I just feel like I broke a milestone in my life. Well, Thank you. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Um, well, this is Logan, um, and I have a question about... Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just making fun of the last conversation. Right. Stop listening <laughs> um, to the radio and talk to us. Um, okay, Automator. Yes. Um, I'm trying to, to make it to write a script um, to rename files. Oh, Automator. Good old Automator. Paul, have you heard about Automator? I've certainly heard you talk about it. I don't know much about it. Yeah, Automator, for those of us who don't know, is an incredibly powerful little program that lives within every Macintosh since the days that it shipped with 10.4. And it lets you put actions in an order that Apple has provided and other people can provide. That's right. And you group those actions in sequential order, and then you can save it as a program. And you can do things like, say, grab all of the images inside this folder and then resize them. Rotate them. Rotate them, resize them. them. Just combine all these PDF pages, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's an idiot's way of programming, really. Yeah, you talked about it specifically with with um, putting PDF files together. Exactly. So, uh, Logan, what are you trying to do with Automator? Well, I'm trying to rename uh, the extensions on files. Um, And I'd like to do that in a batch manner, and I'd I'd like to do it by just being able to drop the files straight into a folder and having it do the rest automatically. Um, You can definitely do that. Uh, one of one of the first things you need to do is you need to use the the action uh, drag actions or files. That's a specific action name. Have you done that? Drag. Yep. So you want it. So here's the actions you want to use. One is drag actions or files. So that lets you just drag um, a folder, for example, or a list of files onto the application once you're done saving it. Yep. And then second, after you've done that, underneath that one should go rename finder items. Right. Yep. And then once you've grab, grabbed that right on the, underneath at that, you can then choose what exactly you're renaming. There's a third action within those options that you need to choose. And so you, you want to do, um, oh, it was... Uh, it would be replace text or something like that, right? Exactly. And so you would then have to give the extension that is already in use. Right. So, assuming they all have the same extension, if they didn't, it would probably get a little bit, a little bit tricky. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, the the main problem problem arise when I was just looking for advice on how to mm-hmm. do this on the internet, and there are so many different versions of, of how to uh, configure Automator to to do this, mm-hmm. and um, none of them seem to work. So, <laughs> would you recommend a definitive source, an authoritative source? for um, how to read up on this stuff? That's a really good question. Um, I, my authoritative source, if I need it, and assuming it has it, but if you need it to be clear, concise, and make sure that it works, there's two places. One is Mac OS X Hints. Uh, that's the Mac OS X Hints, actually, if you're going to spell it out. And that is a run by Macworld, and that is a repository of probably the largest collection of how-tos, tips, tricks, resources for the Mac that you will ever find in your world. They're all vetted. They're all fantastic. 
Um, frankly, if you search for something on the site and you don't find what you're looking for, you'll probably find something else that will blow your mind. So I definitely re recommend Mac OS X Hints would be the place to search. Now, least of which that there's also a series of forums associated with that website that in turn has a huge number of p participants. And unlike many forums, you know, where someone asks and you visit the, per the, the post and no one has responded or three people have responded with a completely useless suggestion, <laughs> macOS X hints has really intelligent, articulate people who know what they're talking about who respond. Uh, Macworld is another place. And finally, when you're doing the replace text, are you are you choosing the in extension only option? Yes. Okay, and you're checking ignore case. Yeah. And it's not working for you. Well, I just didn't. I think I was missing the drag finder item. Oh yeah, or ask for finder items, drag finder items, whichever it wanted. You have to you have to first give your action a way of saying these are the things we're applying the action to. Right. Yeah. Um, give that a shot. Let us and let us know what happens. Actually, that would be very okay. interesting. I will indeed. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thanks Thank for being you. on the air. Yes, that is the most technical question we've ever gotten. Yeah, it's so, pretty specific. So you know what you just heard and what you potentially just learned, or what he's working on, is the equivalent of writing a program. That is, you mm -hmm. have programmed your computer to do something it did not do before. And computer, with computers today, it's way easier than it ever was before. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge amount of power waiting at your fingertips if you want to spend 10, 15 minutes fussing around with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that specific tool doesn't exist on the Windows side, but there are other tools both on the Internet and on Windows that do the same thing. There are websites that let you track, uh, say, if, and, and, or sequences. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if this happens, then do this. So if you see a text like this come from this mm -hmm. service, then send me an email. Sounds like Fortran. Yes, well, uh, it, you know, very, very similar. Mm -hmm. They all have the same roots, and they mm -hmm. all come from yep. the same place. So it, that it's a very cool thing, well worth playing around for you. Real quick, before we end the show, I want to also note that if you can't use Vienna, another great uh, tool you can use is Feedly, F-E-E-L-D-L-Y. It's a visually beautiful interface for your Google Reader service that lets you use your Google Reader login. So, Vienna, Feedly, check them out. Let us know what you think. Cool. We'll be here next week. We'll talk to you then. See ya. The Grid. A digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they move through the computer. 